0: Don't know how I want to talk about this Yvonne because it's it okay it was I had no idea how to run a business I, I not I mean no idea at all I didn't know about <laughs> profit and loss I didn't know about break-even analysis I didn't know marketing plan acquisition plan ideal client research and that I knew about from brand strategy but everything else that's involved in a consent-based sales techniques I knew nothing. There's like 20% of me that still feels like a piece of poo because I don't have a master's. Mm-hmm. And then I but then I'm like, okay, well just look at your testimonials. You make people happy. The brands are beautiful. But it's hard.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it is. But you didn't let it stop you. No,
0: that's the thing about me is I'm never, I'm never gonna stop. I'm never gonna stop. When I decide what I want, that's it.
1: Hello, you are listening to the Late Bloomer Living Podcast, where we are reimagining and redefining what it means to be in midlife, where we are gathering energy, momentum, and excitement for our next chapter via candid conversations with other midlifers about their own pivots, pitfalls, and triumphs. I'm Yvonne Marchese, your host, and I'm so happy you're here. Adulting can be hard, but you don't have to go it alone. I created this podcast to give you inspiration and let you know you're not alone in feeling stuck in midlife. Both men and women are welcome here. But if you are a woman, I also invite you to join our Midlife Uprising community for women, where we're making waves and reimagining what it means to age. Being part of this community for women will remind you on a regular basis that you're not too old and it's never too late to do that thing you've been thinking about. You can find more information at latebloomerliving.com forward slash community and I hope to see you there. Hello my friend. Do you ever think about starting a business? Does that feel crazy to you at this point in your life? Are you telling yourself you're too old for that shit? (laughs) Sorry, (laughs) I'm coming out salty right in the beginning. But really, I want to know, do you think about retiring and then think, but what would I do then? I don't know about you, but I'm really not at all prepared to retire. And statistically, we're living longer, so our retirement savings have to go further. And frankly, the word retirement, it just sounds like an abyss to me. I'm a week away from turning 55 years old, double nickels. And if I can stay healthy, I'm guessing I have at least another 20 years of work ahead of me. And you know what? I don't want to retire as long as I can do work I love. I want to work until I absolutely can't anymore. That's why I'm embracing the idea that I can be an entrepreneur, even at this late stage of my life. And let me tell you, I'm a creative type. So thinking of myself as an entrepreneur does not come naturally to me, but I'm embracing it because of what it offers freedom and flexibility when it comes to my schedule doing work i'm passionate about and work that can make a difference for other people earnings potential personal growth the list goes on yes there's risk involved yes it requires a lot of energy and i do think about work all the time (laughs) but here's maybe the biggest benefit of all No one is going to lay me off because of my age. I've been laid off before, and let me tell you, it doesn't feel good. It's like having the rug pulled out from under you. Now, both of those layoffs ended up being life-changing for me in really good ways, but I'm not eager to experience it again. And I feel like working for myself gives me more say and control and... Frankly, as I've aged, I might have become a bit of a control freak. By the way, I'm not trying to convince you to become an entrepreneur. It is definitely not for everyone. But I am here to tell you that if you're thinking about it and you're stopping yourself because you feel you're too old or you're not sure you can do it, well, the only way to find out is to do it. You will have to learn how to do all the things that go with running a business, but that's really good for your brain. And I guarantee you, you will grow as a person in the process. For me, one of the best parts has been learning that I'm capable of way more than I ever thought I could do. And I learn something new literally every day. I will say that one of my secret weapons is that I've surrounded myself with a mastermind community of other entrepreneurs who are also doing this later in life. So if you do decide to take the plunge, don't do it alone. Get a coach or find a community to support you. It Makes a big difference. I really enjoy being part of this group, especially because most of the members are entrepreneurs in midlife like myself. Many of them have transitioned from corporate careers to running their own businesses, and we all have a lot to learn about entrepreneurship. But we're able to connect and ask each other questions about any aspect of our business. And in the community, you know, we cover important topics like business foundations, technology, social media. It's been a great learning experience so it, hey by the way if you're curious about it i am thrilled to be able to share the group with you it's called groundwork brigade it's led by kim white and carrie zarb and if you are interested please email me at latebloomerliving@gmail.com at gmail.com for more information i have an affiliate link that will give you one month of free access to the group and there are about eight opportunities each month where you can jump in and see what the group is all about I'll put more information in the show notes uh, for the episode. So speaking of entrepreneurship, I have an awesome guest for you today, especially if you are starting a business or are already in business and are struggling to figure out what sets you apart from your competition. Maggie Bergen is a brand strategist and owner of Be Understood Branding. She believes clarity is a kindness and a brand building best practice. Maggie loves helping women business owners sweep away vagueness by helping them build their distinct irresistible brand strategy. So in our conversation today, we talked about Maggie's transition from working in government affairs to striking out on her own to become the amazing brand strategist that she is today. She lives in Chicago with her husband and a four-legged insistent clown named Django who makes his presence known during our conversation. So without further ado, here's Maggie Bergen. Let's go. Hey, Maggie. Thanks so much for being with me. How are you doing?
0: I'm so, so happy to be with you. <laughs> I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me.
1: Oh, I'm so thrilled. Gosh, I feel like I've been admiring you from afar for so long. <laughs> stop. Well, don't, don't stop. And don't stop. It's a... <laughs> it's it's your Instagram reels have sucked me in, lady they are they are so fun to watch, and you you usually make me laugh um
0: so I really appreciate you saying that that I think um, wouldn't it be so sad if the brand strategist didn't have a brand strategy so but it doesn't mean that it's easy i don't it's not easy for anyone, so to hear that it resonates with you means a lot, thank you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, My goodness. So we, we, it's funny because I'm, I'm thinking back to how you ended up on the podcast here and it's because of your reels, right? And, and, and I think I shared one and you thanked me and then, I, and then I got back to you and I was like, I feel like we should meet. <laughs> and then as we're talking, it turns out that you have a midlife pivot Story, legit. Pivot,
0: pivot, pivot,
1: pivot. <laughs> hard, hard left, hard right. I don't know which. Yeah. Um, so take us back to your your what is it? Government affairs
0: days. Yeah. Are you sure you want to hear about boring <laughs> government affairs? i I'll, I'll. Okay, okay. Um, so I'm. I have a B.A. in government, and from undergraduate. And I immediately after college went into government affairs and I loved the idea of figuring out how to move an idea forward by communicating that idea effectively. What does effectively mean? Effectively means the person who you need to hear it can actually hear it. Mm -hmm. You have tailored the communication in a way that pulls out a chair at the table of the idea for them and gives them a glass of water.
1: What a novel idea in government. Oh. (laughs) It's...
0: That is really how it works. So if anything is moving forward in government, it is a series of strategic communications with people who have the political power to make something happen. And there are two ways to get things done in government affairs. One, you have a lot of people behind you. So you are the NRA, you are AARP, you are Planned Parenthood, you are a large organization and you, quote unquote, represent millions of fishes in the sea. The second way to get things done in government affairs is by having massive political power in the form of money and more money. And as I am getting to the, to the point that you're, I'm getting to a point, I'm getting to a point, just hang on. (laughs) Uh, The longer I spent in in government affairs, I was kind of working my way up, right? As we do, because we're all, we do good and we dot our I's and cross our T's and write the memos and file the reports. As that was happening, the role of money in government was continuing also to climb. I kind of maxed out on the legislative side and decided to kind of throw up a shingle and become a lobbyist for good. So I left. I was the economic development specialist for a ranking member of the House Appropriations Committee, which was very good to transition to be a lobbyist because I knew where all the money was. That was that's what appropriations was. Okay, mm-hmm. so now I'm representing green energy companies. I'm representing arts and education companies. I, I'm trying to find ways to bring people who need to be at the table to the table. Because if you're not at the table, you're on the menu. I always told my clients to write checks because you have to, you have to write checks. You didn't used to have to write big checks, but you did have to write a check in order to be seen and recognized. If you are not an organ member, there's two ways to impact government affairs. One is to have you know, thousands of people behind you, and then the other is money. I had to stop working in government affairs because the role of money in government affairs became such that elected officials were not returning my request on behalf of my clients, not because they weren't writing checks, but because I wasn't also writing checks. That's my dog. I don't know if you can hear him. He's doing that like reverse sneezing thing. (laughs) Perfect timing, Django, thank you. (laughs) Right when I get to the climax of the story. So I had to leave government affairs because it was it was disgusting
1: how old were you when that happened
0: 40. i noticed the money i noticed the nut the size of the checks had to increase like and you used to be like at the state level a rep if you were looking for something from a rep it was like a 500 dollars check if you were looking for something for a federal rep Representative, you're a member of Congress, um, it would be like a thousand dollar check. A senator would be like twenty five hundred. And, and it just but it just kept going up.
1: And, and the whole thing is just kind of gross to begin with, no matter. I mean, no matter the amount. Right. And then to have it just to see it going up and up. Wow. It really does. Yeah. Yeah. It was depressing. Ugh. And yeah. then whatever that Supreme court, I can't remember the name of it, probably because I'm in middle age, something. um, that
0: Supreme court ruling, um, yeah. really. Yeah. I'm trying to remember yeah, the dots. There it you too. go. Dogs, yeah. Yeah. But, but what is government affairs? It's selling an idea using communication to sell an idea. So, I mean, that's branding that's brand strategy. But instead of selling an idea, now we're selling a service or a product. So mm-hmm. it was like a really smooth, oddly, I didn't know it at the time, but it was like a really smooth transition. I know how.
1: I, I know how to, to do that. I can do that. So what, when was your aha moment? What would your aha moment look like where you were like government affairs at, to branding strategy expert? When did you see the the connection.
0: I was on the phone with a Massachusetts representative and it was gently suggested to me that I might have more success getting an appointment time for my client. If the Senator quote, I'm sorry, if the representative quote knew me better, close quote, which was, their tongue in cheek way of saying, you need to write a check too. So that was my, that was my, oh, am I allowed to swear on this? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. That was my, oh shit moment where I have to decide, right. Am I going to like, what am I going to do now? Am I going to write a check? Do I, and then how do, do I get that? Do I like, now my billing goes up because my clients have to pay me for that money. Right. So I thought about it. And I I don't know, I don't remember how I realized that that government affairs is brand strategy. It's forest through the trees. Where are the levers? Where are the push points? How do you get and hold someone's attention? Um, but instead of one person, now we're trying to get and hold the attention of whoever an ideal client category is for, for people. I don't remember like how I figured it out. I just figured it out.
1: Interesting. And so so this was suggested to you and you went and the light bulb went off and then what did you do
0: okay this is this is the embarrassing part of the story and i don't mind i don't mind because it's okay to be embarrassed but um my mom is a librarian and my dad is as a teacher so i thought well i should go get some training I should go get a master's in brand strategy because I, I dabbled in it a little bit in a marketing position I had. And I was like, this is it. This is what I want to do. I'm good at it. And this is fun. So I, there's only one brand strategy, branding master's program in the country. And it's uh, in New York at, I forget the name of the school, but it's a SVU. What is SVA? Uh, I can't remember what it stands for. Anyway, there's one, if you, what? School of Visual School Arts. Of School of Visual, of Visual Arts in yeah. New York? Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. New York. Yeah. Okay. So there's a, it's a one-year program. It's a master's. And I was like, great. I'm a Smith Gra- Smith College graduate. Like, I'll apply and it'll be great. And I'll go to New York for a year and it'll be fine. They didn't accept me. Hmm. <laughs> Which just shows, like, the privilege that I have. Because I, I was outraged. What? <laughs> well, maybe hubris. I don't know. Privilege and hubris, maybe both. So I said, all right, fuck you. I'm going to do this myself. So I made a list of all of the professors and I looked up their vitae and I read and I pulled their books and I watched their lecture, any lecture that was available. Um, If it was behind a paywall and it was not too expensive, I would buy access to the lecture. Um, And then I read all the books on branding. And what I discovered should not surprise us but it is the key to why I do what I do. Here's what I discovered. Nobody disagrees about what brand strategy is. All of the books that I read contain the same information with slightly different approaches or variations. Brand strategy is not rocket science. It is an extremely simple process. And what makes me mad and what drives me is that women like us deserve to have access to all of that information that giant corporations use to abuse us with whatever Mm. they're selling. Mm. Lose 10 pounds in 10 days. That's using what they've learned about us and how our attention works against us. I want to teach women everything that these giant corporations know so that we can share our ideas and our services and our products with the world
1: in the same powerful way. I kind of love everything about your answer. Um, Right, and especially almost the part where you didn't get into the school, but you were like, screw it. I'm finding out. <laughs> I'm going. I'm going to get the education I need on my terms, how I do. Because here's the thing, I think that, you know, you get to a certain point in life, um you get to midlife, I think so many people, this is pure theory. I have nothing to back this up other than my own observations. But I think people in midlife feel like they need to look like they've got their shit together. Yeah. I feel like people in midlife feel like they need to have some credentials behind their name. They need the three letters of whatever it is, right? And if you don't have it, it can be very easy to go down the rabbit hole of, oh, I can't do that because I don't have these things. Or if it's just feeling like you need to look like you know what you're doing. I think it keeps us from stepping into doing something new and becoming a beginner at something so that we can get better at it because we're not supposed to be beginners at this point. We're supposed to have it all figured out. You know, I'm sure
0: there are some people who would never hire me because I don't have an MA and that bums me out because I come from a family that valued those things I'm the only person in my family without an advanced degree
1: mm-hmm.
0: I always joke I got all the emotional intelligence in the family <laughs> don't <laughs> tell them I said that <laughs> but but there is so much information out there that it's a shame that more of us don't access that information and fill in the blanks that are missing for us around what we want to do. So there's like 20% of me that still feels like a piece of poo because I don't have a master's. Mm-hmm. And then I but then I'm like, okay, well just look at your testimonials. You make people happy. The brands are beautiful. But it's hard.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it is. But you didn't let it stop you. No, that's the thing
0: about me is I'm never I'm never gonna stop. Never gonna stop. When I decide what I want, that's it. That's awesome. I don't know It <laughs> there's a, it's, there is a definitely an, another side of the coin to it. And also like that is reflective of a, of a certain privilege as well. I think it's really important to acknowledge that, you know, if mm. I was a woman of color and I grew up in poverty, would would that be an option for me? Would I think those things? Mm. I don't know. And so I, I think I want to be very clear that I see that I'm not stopping as part of uh, white privilege for sure.
1: Yeah, I think it's I think it's fair to acknowledge the privilege that can go behind that when we're a couple of white girl ladies. Yeah. White yeah. girl ladies.
0: White girl ladies. <laughs> white girl ladies. Works for me. <laughs> wow.
1: I just love I love the whole progression of seeing something that you felt was unacceptable for you to continue in. And then taking action to make your move to get away from that and out of that and onto something else and seeing the connection to your skills from that other thing that you could take and translate towards the new thing. I wonder where would I be? What would I be doing if I had, if that hadn't
0: been so clear to me in that six to nine months where I just dove deep?
1: Yeah okay yeah. so so let's go down another road so you okay. so so you were doing your government affairs work and now you are a, a small business solopreneur right would that be the right title for what you sure doing? sure and what was that shift like
0: i wish your podcast <laughs> listeners wish- could see my face <laughs> um just imagine like just horror fear anxiety (laughs) terror all in one i'm just gonna describe
1: it her eyes just got like big as saucers when i asked that question so i'm just gonna say that that was hilarious (sighs) i i don't know how i want to talk
0: about this yvonne because it's it okay it was i had no idea how to run a business i i not i mean no idea at all i didn't know about (laughs) profit and loss i didn't know about break-even analysis i didn't know marketing plan acquisition plan ideal client research that i knew about from brand strategy but everything else that's involved in consent-based sales techniques i knew nothing nothing and i have given so much hard-earned money (laughs) completely unnecessarily to people who who claimed to be able to help me. I once gave someone $700 for a one page PDF with maybe 20 boxes on it with arrows going in different <laughs> different oh, directions. No. There's yeah. Oh my God. It right? was supposed to be a launch sequence, but it was like reading Greek. I, I didn't understand it. And it kept, instead of being like, excuse me, um, did I'm the PDF
1: to... come with any support? No. Tell me it did. And I did. I
0: yeah. So oh. if you're gonna go, you're gonna you don't know what you don't know, and it right. is okay not to know what you don't know. Just because you are. I mean, everyone that I work with is great at what they do. And they are not so great at talking about what they do. That doesn't make them any less amazing at what they do. It's not a Venn diagram. Those two don't overlap, right? I build a bridge between them. We build a bridge together. That bridge is a build brand strategy, but it's so hard to remember that myself when I come across the most recent thing that I need to understand to build this business that I don't understand. And I wonder like, do they teach this stuff in business
1: school? Like if I had an MBA, I wonder that too. Because you know I'm coming at this whole business thing from creative land. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I have a, I have a theater degree, right? If I... <laughs> and they didn't even teach us how to go out and get acting jobs. So oh. yeah,
0: <laughs> so... it's like going through all of high school, and they don't teach you how to balance, you know, your checkbook.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I know what upstage downstage and, you know, I can, I can get up, get up there with the script and do some things, but
0: (laughs) you sure (laughs) can,
1: you sure can, (laughs) but how to get work. Oh my goodness. So have you struggled with that as well? Like knowing how to run a business? Oh, oh my gosh. Well, okay. So I became a photographer when I turned 40 um, I I had been doing I had been pursuing a theater career right up until uh, after I had my first child. I was 35 then, and I only, I it was all I ever wanted to do was to be an actress. That was that was it. There was no other yeah. choice. That was yeah. that was it. Um, so I pursued that. I lived in New York City, met my husband on a theater tour, and when we got married and had our first. I kind I took a step back while my husband went to grad school for classical acting by the way and I started working from home part time and and then when he was done with that program I went back to auditioning and I would get a call back and he would get a call back and I was like oh man we got this baby and you know what I'm done I am like, let me just wipe my hands of this because I'm, I'm literally done. Yeah. Whoever thought that would happen. So then the next five years were like, who am I, what am I, what am I going to be when I grow up kind of stuff. Finally, when I was 40, I I had just started back at a full-time position, random job, totally random. I got laid off. I got promoted. I got laid off because it was 2008. It was the recession. Mm. I came home from that and literally asked my husband, what am I going to be when I grow up? He said, go to sleep. You're going to be fine. Sleep on mm. it. Mm. I woke up in the morning and I turned to him and I said, I want to be a photographer. And it was like, it was like something landed on me in the middle of the night. I don't wow. know. Yeah. And bless his heart. He said, okay. And we used our credit card and I bought my we love him real camera. We love him. We do love him. <laughs> and I enrolled in a study from home professional photography program. And I took, I put my big ass camera in my big ass purse and took it with me everywhere for years. And I, and I got a new job after six months of searching, really not a good match, but I got the, I got a job to survive on. And I started doing photography on the side and it was just a side gig, but I was growing. I was getting experience. Then after several years, that's when I was like, I think I could go full time. Okay. So then the, this is where, this is a long answer to your question. I started to dig in and go, How do I make this a business? Because mm-hmm. I had been charging teeny tiny little bits, mm-hmm. undercharging. I was working all weekends, doing all this. I'm like, I don't want to work so many weekends. I've got a family. So how do I work weekdays? How do I, which led me to personal branding photography as an idea. And that was like a crash course in business. Yeah. I I, I invested, I spent like a thousand bucks on a program to teach me how to do personal branding photography. And let me tell you, you. yeah, it was one of the best investments I've ever made because blew my mind wide open, blew the top of my head off. And I was like, oh, isn't this interesting? Mm-hmm. And a little weird, frankly, <laughs> because, <laughs> because you're doing s- photography for people who are entrepreneurs so that they can take it and you're doing everything that the- they can keep a bunch of photo files in their thing and use them on Instagram. Well, a lot of branding photographers, take, they go and they find Beautiful scenarios and things like that that have nothing to do with the person's real life.
0: Yeah. I, I would advise them as a brand strategist not to do that, <laughs>
1: but right. anyway. <laughs> right. Which didn't sit well with me. And I have oh, a love-hate so relationship with, yes. with all the social media stuff, by the way. Yeah. I have a very big love, hate thing going here. And I was like, I hate the fakey fake. I hate Pinterest. Perfect. Instagram. Perfect. Show me what you are show me you. Like they yeah. talk, you know, authentic is overused, but um Yeah, we need a new I,
0: word. We need a new new word. Because you're right. It it is a perfect word, but it doesn't mean anything anymore.
1: Yeah. Right. We need a new, we need a new word to replace authentic. Yeah. You know, when I was really trying to dig in on the photography stuff, Sue Bryce had some great content about figuring out your cost of doing business. Yeah, I'm like, oh, there's a thing called cost of doing business. Uh-huh. What's there's little boxes on those. the screen <laughs> and you put the
0: numbers in the little boxes and then the thing comes out.
1: Uh, yeah. These are all things that my, my theater brain had no, no idea.
0: Yeah. 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 Like, um, okay. Line one is upstage and then line 20, I guess on the little boxes would be downstage. <laughs> I wonder if there, I wonder if there isn't a period between 40 and 55 that's like a second Saturn returns, probably somebody's written a PhD and you're nodding your head right now so I am like so far behind but I don't follow of life... astrology
1: but somebody just recently turned I just had a guest on who was talking about the Uranus something. Okay. That happens at 42. And I was like, okay.
0: Oh, Oh, okay. Okay. That, that jives. That makes sense to me because Mm -hmm. I, I I mean, you've obviously hit a, hit a a nerve in the zeitgeist around this. There's we, you and I are not alone. There are thousands and thousands of women who are experiencing the same thing. So I think it must be, you know, I definitely experienced Saturn returns when I was 29. Oh man. I wouldn't do my twenties again. If you paid me a lot of money, like gross amount of money. I would not. I would do my (laughs) 30s again in a heartbeat 20s. Absolutely not no effing way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. That was some dumb (laughs) decade. Oh, man. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But I feel a little bit like that now. Not I don't feel dumb. But I feel like a shift like a
1: large kind of shift. Do you feel like when you look back at your younger self, do you feel like they that person was just like a completely different person? Like interesting. I feel like this like the scaffolding was
0: the same, but it hadn't been it, the exterior, the building hadn't been fleshed out yet. Yeah. So I think you know who I who I have been my whole life is largely the same. If you look at photographs of me when I was little, it's like uh, there she is. But in my twenties, in particular, I felt I felt like. Kind of like you know, the air could go through me. I didn't feel grounded. I didn't feel myself. I didn't feel like myself. I didn't feel fully myself. I kind of felt like yeah. waving in the breeze
1: a little bit. I feel like and then, I was trying on a bunch of stuff. Uh, you know, yeah. like maybe it's because I'm an actor, but it was kind of like it was yeah. one of the reasons I love doing theater is being able to to just step into a role for a little bit and see what that feels like looks like, you know, it's all pretend anyway, but, but you know what I mean? Like, but I feel like I was doing that in my real life too. Like I was trying on what, Oh, if, what if I'm like this person, what if I'm like that?
0: Yeah. It happens a little, it's interesting to hear you say that because that happens a little bit with brand strategy. I don't think I would be as good at what I do now, what as good as I am now, if I'd done it in my twenties or thirties because of exactly what you're talking about, right? Like I would be too into, uh, I would, I could get sucked into whatever that their brand is and their brand personality and their brand values, et cetera. But I just uh, being so fully, as you know, it just you're just fully and completely grounded in yourself at this age. And I just turned fifty, so I can stand where I am and like go meet and greet my my clients where they are, and stay where I am and you know reflect back to them what what they're saying.
1: Yeah. Makes me think, you know, so much of brand strategy really is about, and, and I'm this is my interpretation of it, so you tell me if sure. I'm even close to being on target, um, is I'm really trying to figure out how to get across this idea to my audience that the, it's not about self-improvement but that change can happen at any time that we, we don't need to be stuck in the who we've always been mode, Mm -hmm. but finding language to talk to people about that
0: Mm -hmm.
1: is very much about. I'm starting to notice, Oh, people react. If I post something about, I haven't been able to sleep or, People are in pain. There's ways into talking about things with people that I can't go big with the concepts. I have to go smaller with the concepts. Am Do I you want to know sense? why? Please tell me. Yes. Okay.
0: That is because human brains are hardwired to respond to, I see you.
1: mm. And that goes back to like, like, if you could get like Republicans and well, let's just call it conservatives and Democrats that like we have to see each other. So if you say to
0: someone, if you if you say something about mm, joints being painful or sleep being a challenge, they feel seen because they've had that experience. That's why those posts even though those specific moments are about a larger transition that you would be very interested in having a long conversation about that's that's the first people are hard your people are hardwired to respond to two things realness or aspiration so realness is the the is the, the not great sleeping, the, the joints are sore, the balancing of the aging parents and the, and the grow, aging, aging, or you know, young children, middle, middle teen children, mm-hmm. you know, Kardashians is the, is the aspiration. So you, I'm not a Kardashian. You're not a Kardashian. <laughs> We're never going to be able to Sorry. appeal to people in that way. And that's okay. <laughs> but brand strategy, the work that I do with people, I, I, is about swimming to their mothership whatever their mothership is Mm. so you're you want people to swim to their mothership and the way in is to say i see you and
1: you're doing it beautifully
0: oh
1: thank you okay so I, i i think i'm gonna ask you one last question okay what have you learned about yourself in the transition from what you were doing to what you're doing now There is
0: an element of being in government affairs, being in government affairs that is about power. And sometimes that desire for power or very base self-interest in being associated with power can be confusing. And what I have realized is that I just love being of service. And I love being of service to women. So my interest in government affairs may have started in, in, I I think I was initially attracted to the field because of the, because it is a powerful institution. You know, they, the the things that happen in that big white building in DC affect education, healthcare, job training, housing, I mean, everything. And being associated with that kind of, I kind of got off on that. And then I felt kind of confused in the transition from government affairs to branding. And I'm so happy to have found that I I was being of service in government affairs, no matter what drew me to it. And that has continued and will continue for, for the rest of my life. I want to be useful. I want to be useful to women in particular. What a great not answer. because I'm not interested in how men are doing, but I think like, They've had a lot of the resources and trainings and opportunities and I enjoy connecting with with women.
1: Yeah. Does that answer your question? It totally does. It totally <laughs> I, I, I think it does because what I'm seeing is that just to draw maybe a parallel, is that I got into doing theater. I get, I I came to acting because you know when I was a wee thing I was like I just wanted to be famous that's let's face it that's what I want I wanted to be famous yeah but as I got into doing theater I fell in love with telling the story yes and my favorite part of of doing a show was actually rehearsals Oh, that's it was, so interesting. It was the process of finding your way through. And and then I'd get to the performance and then all my anxiety would come up because all of a sudden mm. it's like, now it's in front of people and there's this whole other, you know, is it good factor? Whereas mm. before that, it was all exploration and process, you know? Yes.
0: Oh, that makes so much sense.
1: Yeah. And so what I have figured out in in- I think what you have figured out for yourself is that there's this service element, right? And for me, it's always actually been storytelling. It's, it was storytelling in the theater. It's storytelling with my camera. It's storytelling with my podcast, you know, and now yes. with the, some of the stuff that I'm doing in reels and Instagram, it is all storytelling and that oh, that's wonderful.
0: Yvonne, I love, I love that. I love hearing you say that. I love that you that you come have come to understand that. That makes so much sense. I love that.
1: And it's the kind of thing you can keep digging into, right? You can you have like I I can hear in your voice when you talk about it like the the purpose that it fills you with to do what you're doing. And I think that that is the key to to happiness i'm gonna say i'm gonna i'm gonna go long here um i do think that if we've got a really strong sense of purpose it's it's the thing that feeds us to keep us going and getting up in the morning
0: if i could i mean i i don't understand how this happened but if i every day that i have time with clients and i'm helping them swim to their mothership and it's all in them i'm not Figuring anything out for them that they don't already know. They just need an outside assist because they're too close to it to be able to figure it, you know, to be able to articulate it themselves. But I am like a pagan shit. I am so happy. Wait,
1: wait, wait. And how lucky.
0: How lucky. How lucky. Yeah.
1: What are you excited about that's coming up?
0: <gasps> uh, I hate to sound boring, but just more client work and, you know, putting more clear, understandable compelling services from amazing women out into the world who are already amazing they just need a you know an assist in figuring out how to deal like I said before they're great at what they do they're not so great at talking about what they do so how building do people building connect the bridge.
1: with you to get that to get that process going how did oh, because so, oh, you that's you so only nice do ask. one-on-one work Is I that right? only
0: do one-on-one I used to do a group program but I'm very selfish and I prefer one-on-one one-on-one because we get to dive deeper. Um, so yeah, I only work with people one-on-one and you could two things. One is, um, I'm a librarian's daughter, and I share probably I've been told I share too much helpful information on my Instagram feed. I don't know if that's true or not, but it's be understood branding on Instagram. And then the website's the same. It's be understood branding.com or maggiebergen.com. B e r g i n. Perfect.
1: And I will have all those things in the show notes for anybody who's driving right now or anything like that. Uh, you can just go over and check out the show notes and find find me. Thank you, thanks,
0: Emma. All I want is for amazing women's work to be understood. So if I can be of service, I lo- I'd love to.
1: Amazing. I'm so glad you were here with me. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Well, there you have it. I love this conversation with Maggie so much. Isn't she fun? If you have been on the fence about going into business for yourself, I really hope this episode gives you a little bit of encouragement. Give it a try. You could start it as a side hustle. Who knows where this might take you? If you are interested in learning more about working with Maggie, I'll have links to her website and her Instagram in the show notes. And by the way, I also interviewed her for a short segment on Good Morning Entrepreneurs, which is a live stream show hosted by Kim White and Carrie Zarb of Groundwork Brigade every Friday morning at 8 a.m. Eastern Time. So if you enjoyed this conversation with Maggie, you can also check out our interview on that show, which aired on June 23rd. I'll be sure to put a link to that show in the show notes. And bonus... You can learn more about Groundwork Brigade while you're there. Just go to latebloomerliving.com and look for episode 153 for those show notes, and you'll find all the links to Maggie and Good Morning Entrepreneurs. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you have a fantastic week. Stay safe and well. Talk soon.